When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the New Books Network. My name is Greg Soden, and I am delighted to bring you this conversation with Sheldon Burney about the novel Down in the Flood. Obviously a Bob Dylan reference, Down in the Flood is also a novel about a man who becomes lost in a sea of love and alcoholism in the Canadian West. Author Sheldon Burney is a father, writer, and hockey player in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. You can find another conversation I had with Sheldon about his book Missing Like Teeth, an oral history of Winnipeg underground rock, 1990-2001, right here on New Books Network. His new book, Where the Pavement Turns to Sand, is to be released in October 2023. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Sheldon Burney discussing Down in the Flood. Sheldon Burney, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Sheldon, I'm really excited that you're here. We're going to chat about a an older book that you have written in, in the world, but uh, a book that I love. And um, I'm wondering if you can just start off a little bit by introducing yourself a little bit to the listeners of uh, New Books Network out there so they know a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay, my name is Sheldon Burney. I live in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Uh, I'm a reporter by trade, I guess, or by day, and uh, uh, you know, write fiction uh, when I have time. I've got uh, two young kids at home, and uh, you know, their schedules are busy, so I don't have as much time as I'd like to to, to explore fiction. But I I try to fit it in where I can. I love it. So um, you and I have chatted before for mm-hmm. a, an episode on this network where we talked about your book, Missing Like Teeth. So if anybody out there is interested in music and nonfiction, definitely go back and find my episode that I made with Sheldon for New Books Network on the book, Missing Like Teeth, which is a, an oral history of underground rock in Winnipeg, Manitoba from 1990 to 2001. That is a great book um, as well. So, Sheldon, tell me a little bit about your origin in creative writing in general before we get into your book, Down in the Flood, the novel we're here to chat about today. Tell me a little bit about that backstory with you and writing. Yeah, so it goes back to, you know, childhood where that's just something that I enjoyed doing and I found that I uh yeah got enjoyment out of you know uh you learn it in school and whatever but this is something i'd be doing at home you know writing little short stories or fan fiction type stuff you know like ripping off the lord of the rings or whatever or stephen king or ray bradbury stuff or 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 whatever so just chipping away at that at uh at home in school as a kid 
and, and continued to just get more interested in reading and literature and writing and, you know, found some avenues to explore that early on. And uh, uh, in Canada, we had a, uh, when I was in, I guess, junior high school, in the 90s, there would have been a kind of an arts magazine that got support from the Canada Council of Arts called Into Print, which had a mandate to feature and publish uh, writing and artwork from, you know, students, basically. And it was well put together. It had someone as an editor who had a background in that. Uh, and somehow I got clued into that, whether it was my mom who listened to the CBC religiously or a teacher who clued <laughs> into it and brought it into the school library or something. I can't recall exactly. But so suddenly, you know, rather than just writing for myself, which was about all I was doing, uh, there was a way to submit or, you know, enter contests and so quickly, you know, I got into that game, which is something you have to do if you're going to continue writing creatively or, or, or whatever, right? You have to be able to pitch and submit and get rejection and do it all over again. So yeah. got into that and kind of liked that aspect of it. So I was able to, you know, get some feedback and, you know, uh, placed a story at some point, probably in high school, which would be very embarrassing to look back on at this point you know uh but it you know it gave me that kind of spark to keep going and discovered there was a couple other literary magazines in canada that had a youth or like student focus under 19 kind of thing so quickly i was you know not quickly but in retrospect quickly because this all happened within a few years uh whereas my timeline now for work is much much longer um was able to publish you know a poem here a short story there and to keep that interest flowing that hey this is something i can I can actually do and get out there. And uh, from there, once I was, you know, over 19, that just by that point, I was used to rejection and submitting and, and that whole circle. Uh, and so just kept it going and found outlets that I kind of, you know, vibed with, or I enjoyed what they were doing, or would accept stuff of, of that and uh, kind of just kept that rolling. Amazing. Well, I was an English teacher in a high school in Missouri for a long time. And something that I always liked doing during our creative short story writing unit that we did is I would give students extra credit if they would submit the story for publication to the school arts right, magazine. Yeah. And I would also keep an eye out on like other young writer submission opportunities. And I would mm -hmm. be like, listen, like you can submit this thing for publication at like all these different spots. And even if you don't get in, I'm going to give you extra credit. And I had one <laughs> student who submitted a story so many times that they wound up getting like 185% in the class <laughs> for the semester, which <laughs> cracked me up, but good on them because they just kept trying yeah. and they actually learned a lot about the process and totally. they, it, it got into one of the magazines and it actually happened for them. So I mm -hmm. was actually really thrilled by that. So I love when I hear stories about like teachers and adults being like pushing these kids like, but send this, send it, even if you don't get in, so what, send it anyway. Cause it's just such a great life experience to get that kind totally. of feedback early on. How valuable is that? You know? Um, so in 2005, you started writing a book called Down in the Flood, which I'm holding right here, and you gave to me as a, as a, a present whenever I was in your hometown of Winnipeg a couple years ago. And so I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about the beginning of this book, because I think you and I are just about the same age. So you would yeah. have been like 22-ish? Early, early 20s, yeah. yeah, 23, yeah. something like that. Tell me about your your life at this time and what you remember uh, when you were like going through the process of writing this book from 2005 yeah. to 2007. So at that point, I would have been kind of 
transient spending the summers out in Manitoba working at a restaurant and then at a different restaurant out in the Okanagan uh, in the winters playing in punk bands and you know kind of just living that uh, that uh, that lifestyle uh mm. and so i was always writing in like notebooks i'd always have a notebook with me in my backpack if i was at work or you know in the back of a, a van playing gigs or or you know wherever i was i had this notebook uh and so i was always writing and typically writing like poetry uh or maybe sketches for short stories that then if i had time i would you know tap out on a laptop at wherever i called home at that mm -hmm. point uh and at some point in the winter I was living in a house in Kelowna and whatever the story must have just been brewing up over the course of the fall and summer before. And finally, I thought I had an idea down and just started writing longhand at that point uh, into this book. And the story kept coming and I kind of just stuck with it when I would get time and kind of committed, you know, the free time when I had a place to set up uh, a home base uh, and just kept chipping away at it. And it took took a while because it was, again, like, you know, we'd go out on tour for a month or something. And then uh, I might not have a, a permanent place set up where I could, you know, leave a laptop or wherever <laughs> safely for for enough time to, to spend a couple hours uh, a day you know, writing this out and trying to make it make sense. And of course, I had no idea how to do so, but was full of uh, youthful confidence and, and hubris uh, figured I could just, if I try, I'll, I'll get something done. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the book resonates, the plot resonates with your transient lifestyle. It's a very kind of like unpredictable, uh, wild life where people are just seem to be like careening mm. from day to day, like trying to hold it together, but like not doing a very good job yeah. of it. Um, Tell me a little bit about what listeners need to know about the story and the plot and the characters of this yeah. uh, to kind of set the stage here. Right. So it's, you know, the 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 narrator, the unnamed narrator, uh, you know, is is doing just that. And at that time, I had lots of pals who were tree planters or fruit pickers or or whatever, you know, working up in the rigs in the winter to, to make money for for school or whatever. So moving around a lot and also, uh, you know, probably drinking and partying a lot, uh, you know, also with, you know, playing music, you had, you'd cross paths with people, uh, on, you know, at a show or at a festival or whatever, and see them, you know, months later or whatever. Uh, so there was a very, you know, transient uh, life going on at that time. So this is the, that's the life of this character. And he finds himself moving back to, you know, where is uh, close to his hometown or home, province or home area uh almost against his will but he's kind of resigned to this this fate of maybe his dreams of heading to the <laughs> to the wild west failed or something uh but he's got a few pals along and he reconnects with some folks and he's trying to make a go of it uh and just the fates seem to be against him or at least that's what he's telling himself as things you know quickly fall apart once again once again for the guy yeah, the uh, the amount of partying is like impressive. Like whenever I'm like reading the amount of uh, alcohol that's being consumed in this book, I'm just like, man, this is like hard work at being so, so like in the bars, you know what I mean? It just seems like such a such a committed, such a committed effort. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, yeah, again, working in restaurants and kitchens, that's <laughs> uh, and bars, right? Like people yeah. are there and the, the money's coming from the from the source. It's easy to uh, just pump it back in. Yeah, I was working at bars, too, in Missouri all through college. This whole era that you were writing mm -hmm. this book, 2005, 2006, I was actually working at a bar in Missouri and seeing so much of this exact same kind of lifestyle where 
we would be working all night. There'd be like a concert, um, it, whoever, you know, violent femmes or like yeah. Hank Williams, the third or bone thugs and harmony would like come through our club and everything. And then we would hang out after the show and then it would be like summertime. So the sun would come up early. So we'd go out the side door and the sun would be coming up and we'd all be like, Oh, this is, this yeah. is not good. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's that crazy, those crazy years, like the going between childhood and adulthood and finding yourself along this really kind of like almost destructive path. But yeah, like yeah. whenever you look back on it, it's like that's an important era as well, you know? Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah, you've you got it. What does um Down in the Flood mean to you? Like the title of the story in general? Right. Of course, Down in the Flood is like a, a Bob Dylan track off like the basement tapes, which was stuff that even though I was playing in punk bands and all that, when I had time to myself, I, I you know, I didn't like having the, the loud all the time. I listened to a lot of that 70s Dylan stuff where his life's kind of falling apart, you know, blood on the tracks and yeah. uh, planet waves and uh, the band same with Neil Young's ditch stuff where again, his life is falling apart uh, in the seventies and he's got those real downer records uh, tonight's the night and uh, on the beach uh, Zuma uh, that, that kind of stuff was what I would listen to when it was cold and wet and gray. Uh, and, and so that kind of, you know, really influenced and permeated the the writing of this story um it's got that kind of yeah that that downer vibe going on and so down in the flood was of course lifted from that but it's you know uh through the the narrate the, the narrative of the story there's uh it's a, a season of kind of cataclysmic rain which is kind of throwing a loop for everybody and uh results in, in a bit of a, a literal flood uh but at the same time of course this guy's you know drowning his problems in booze and he's going down in the flood figuratively as well as as literally nice you um the book doesn't come out until 2012 you said it sat around in binders until some friends ryan rossler ben clarkson uh andrew steve these guys kind of like helped you out during part of the the tying it together process what was it like to what was the process like of actually bringing this thing out into the world after you know having it just like languish for a couple of years well, I'm finding that, uh, you know, how at that time I thought it was like, oh, this isn't going anywhere. But really, uh, <laughs> I've got a novel I'm working on now that's been in the works for like 10 years because you just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't have the ability to just sit and write or, or a team in behind to get it out there. But, you know, with this one in particular, it was, again, learning how to write a novel or or, or trying to write a novel as uh, someone who maybe had no business doing so. Um so it's, you know, was a lot of revision and a lot of like finding where this, where, where the narrow, you know, what works, what doesn't work. And yeah, tons of revision starting over, you know, go and then going through it with a fine tooth comb over and over again to make those connections, make things work and tie together through the course of it. And then when I got to what I felt was the end of that, you know, handed it off to some folks for feedback and then repeated. And then it got to a point where it was time to start submitting it to literary, like to a publisher. And I didn't, I wasn't clued into like the independent publishing scene as I feel like I am a little bit more now. And so I was thinking, you know, like uh, I'm sending it out to places that I had absolutely no business sending it out to. Nice. And that they probably didn't even look at it because it's not coming from an agent. It's coming from some fucking guy in Winnipeg who has no credentials. (laughs) Some, some, you know, short stories and poems published willy nilly here and there, but uh, and I quickly got very discouraged and was just like, you know, knew there were people self-publishing at that time. Kindle was kind of just starting up. Uh, There's a lot of like genre writers who are self-publishing and getting lots of success. 
the closest I could see to my own self was Chris Walter, who's like the punk uh, historian, but also mm-hmm. writes fiction out of Vancouver. He's originally a Winnipeg guy. I was familiar with his work uh, and saw him making a go of it uh, that way. So, uh, you know, between that and and hitting this wall of like not knowing where else to send it and being discouraged, I kind of wanted just to felt I can just get this out there, which, you know, in retrospect was a good lesson and it did get it out there and allowed me to kind of move on from the project. But, you know, I would have liked to have <laughs> pers- pushed a little bit more, maybe tried to find those those publishers who, who again, might not have picked it up, but might have been more actually, you know, willing to take a look at it rather than these, you know, uh, ivory tower type, uh, yeah. big five or whatever it is, big four in Canada. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it could have, I could have dug a little bit deeper and, 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 and tried exploring some other avenues, but at the time, you know, it seemed like self-publishing was, was a, a way to do it. And it still is. It's just at, uh, the business end of things quickly. Uh, I realized I was not good at that part of, <laughs> of it, uh, the details. Yeah. You know, um, something that I'm really curious about is as I was reading, uh, you're used to like punctuation and quotation marks and things like that. Like you, you kind of went like a really interesting stylistic route with this. Like there, there isn't certain things. Mm-hmm. Does that yeah. make sense? Like, tell me yeah. a little bit about your, your style that you were going with too. Cause like, it, it's just a different way of doing dialogue than you see in a lot of other books. Yeah. I mean, I was, I uh, was and continue to read like, uh, like a lot, like that's what I enjoy doing almost more than anything. It's just reading. And I would discover that some writers, you know, didn't use the traditional punctuation. You know, you got Cormac McCarthy as an obvious one, uh, but plenty of others as well who didn't use it. And it, you know, leads to a little bit of ambiguity as to what exactly is being said or unsaid, or uh, which puts a little bit more work on the reader, but also makes it a little bit more, uh, yeah, ambiguous at times or allows you to kind of do different things as a writer without having to like break up a flow of something, uh, put a little bit of work on the uh, uh, on the reader, you know, kind of give a, uh, a wink and a nod perhaps sometimes to is this is this actually what's happening? How, you know, no narrators are reliable, but it kind of allows you to play with that a little bit more. Is this guy pulling pulling a fast one here or is this uh, how what he thinks is true? And I found that, you know, having that uh, not having those punctuation mark clearly delineated was was a way to do that and with short fiction i i go back and forth depending on the on the story uh as to whether i bother with them or not and again it's a matter of does this feel right can i kind of do more without them or is it better to just have things this is clear as to what's being said and unsaid awesome um yeah something like uh i'm I'm thinking about some some authors that i've uh that i've seen do that and i love seeing just style mixed up a little bit in writing because mm-hmm. it's like you have to like i would always say to my students like you have to learn the rules before you start breaking them but breaking them is what is so much fun in mm-hmm. finding <laughs> yourself as a writer so i love the fact that you are doing that um okay i want to know a little bit more about the the like the love story and the friendship in in this story because it's like i have these these two best friends that are clearly in a lot of like personal anguish and they're coping with a lot of like unprocessed pain and things like that um but they don't seem unhappy you know what Mm -hmm. i mean tell me a little bit about some of your your thoughts on friendship within this book because i love the friendship between these two guys yeah i mean that was uh, a big part of it is like how can you you know lean on your pals or lean on your best pal or or whatnot but again these folks are young they're trying to figure stuff out and and again they're leaving a lot of things kind of unsaid they're not really talking about 
how they feel. And, you know, that, uh, <laughs> as, as anyone knows, uh, you know, that can lead to tons of problems because you're not being clear if things are being unsaid when maybe they should be clearly, clearly spoken. Uh, and it can lead to, uh, to, to someone, you know, miss, misreading a situation or not quite, uh, uh, knowing where, where the other person's at. You can't be on the same page if you're not, you know, communicating openly. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of their story is that they kind of eventually end up pulling in different directions without even knowing it. And by the time they kind of clue in, it's, it's too late for them. I love it. You know, you're in Winnipeg in Manitoba. I'm in Buffalo, Mm -hmm. New York. These two places are not known for exactly being paradises as far as weather (laughs) goes and climate. Yeah. And this just is strewn throughout the book. A scene from the book that really hit me hard is whenever there's like an unseasonably warm day and all the characters are like outside shirtless, like in the sun, just like laying on like picnic tables and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. just out in the sun. And I was like, oh man, weather matters so much. And the weather in this book is just like universally bad, except for like one of these things, uh, one of a few of these scenes here and there. Um, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, climate and having this like attention to bad weather, because that to me as a person who lives in a place with terrible weather was so com- it was so comedic. It's, you know, it, it it's a huge deal. We were, ta- we were sitting around the dressing room yesterday or the other day after a hockey game. Uh, and it's like, when does the time change? Oh, it's coming up in two weeks. Well, I guess everyone better get their like seasonal depression ready because yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden it's dark. And, you know, like it, uh, if you have a weather that's uh, terrible for a long time, it hits people, right? And whether they admit it or not. And uh, especially in a place that, you know, has harsh changes in in season if you have a bad summer and then you're right into winter again it can really just set you up for set you up for some hard times right whereas if you get some breaks in it or you have a you know unseasonably warm summer or an unseasonably warm winter and you can does things don't seem as bad but if you start stacking uh stacking the cards against you when the cards are already stacked against you it uh you know, it can have some terrible outcomes for folks if there's, again, uh, not uh, supports or, or people aren't communicating exactly uh, openly with themselves or with each other. It just, it, it, the odds get stacked against you. And having that front row and center and, uh, through the narrative was was important for me. I love that because I, we we just had a, a really decent stretch of weather from August 15th until like, uh, um, like October 10th or so here in Buffalo. And it it was, it was the best six weeks of weather that I've ever had since I lived in Buffalo in the entire six years that I've been here. But we had such a terrible June, a terrible May, a terrible July. The, the sky was filled with smoke. We barely were, you know, touching 73 degrees Fahrenheit, which is not really even warm enough to go swimming. Um, and it was windy as heck, like every single day, the wind was just whipping. And then last winter we had the, you know, fate, fatal blizzard in Buffalo right. for like three days over Christmas. We had 77 inches of snow last November that caused the Buffalo bills to have to move a football game over to Detroit. So, and then before that, I mean, we've had several seasons in a row that were just stacking against itself. So it's, it's a, uh, I, I resonate with that deeply whenever, 
we're heading into winter and cold and darkness right now mm-hmm. that like I'm feeling that, you know, and so to to resonate with the characters in this book where it's just like, is it ever going to be nice again was uh, was just such a, a fun little connection that uh, maybe wasn't so fun, but it yeah, was definitely yeah. it definitely made me chuckle a little bit because I could see myself in my own like whining um, and my own propensity for being in a bad mood whenever that type of stuff stacks up against you. So I love that you tied that into the narrative. It cracked me up. Um, Sheldon, what else do you want readers to know about this book that uh, that I didn't ask about? Is there anything else that you feel like we're we're missing here? I'm not entirely sure. I mean, uh, I like I, I mentioned earlier the influence of you know listening to these you know 70s Bob Dylan and Neil Young records, but uh, 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 another influence on it was uh, that I don't know if I recognized at the time, but certainly in in rereading it a few years ago and and uh, looking back was. Uh, Bob Dylan's like autobiography Chronicles volume mm. one, which he's never written a, a volume two, but the way he writes in that uh, uh, about, you know, five or six periods of his life was, you know, very, he would hit on details, but also could be very am- ambiguous. And it's, uh, uh, it was a style that I kind of, you know, certainly was influenced by. I, I love it. And I, I wish he would write another one uh, because it's, you know, you can really feel it rather than it's not like, here's a fact, here's a fact, here's a fact, but he gives you this emotional place and connection, which was something I was trying to do with this. You know, it's not necessarily important if they're in, you know, Winnipeg or Buffalo or points in between, but it's uh, it's an emotional place that uh, that uh, the characters are inhabiting, which I think readers can, you know, if they uh, have had some some hard times or have friends who've gone through some some hard times, particularly if, you know, they're moving around a lot and chasing chasing work uh that they can get to and i i I, was, I hope that that's successful it's also you know it's an early novel and again i wrote it in my 20s there's yeah. certainly parts of it where it's like uh like i would not have gotten into it that way uh now <laughs> but i but there are other parts of it that i'm like well that was that actually worked out pretty good and i'm, I'm happy that again that i went the the self-publishing route just for the sake of having this this project this you know piece of work there was able to move on and, and do other things. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a, a time capsule uh, that, I, that I think some people will, will, will enjoy, you know, it's a short book too. So you can, you can blast through it. Well, I was moving around a lot in my twenties. Like I went from Missouri to Hawaii, to Mexico, to England, to Saskatchewan, back to Missouri, back to Hawaii, back to Missouri, and then up to New York where I live now. So the bouncing and the transience is something that I think a lot of people who had experiences like me try, while well, trying to find your place in the world and your career and your path that like, that's what this book is to me. It's a nostalgic read that harkens back to a certain era of my life that really makes me happy that I went through some of the experiences that I did and took some of the risks that I did because I look back on those times and I see just how formative and important all those moments were for me. And so that book, this book to me really captures that essence of that time period in my life. And I love that you were writing it right as I was like getting ready to go on all those like journeys myself, like 2006, 2007 is whenever I was like blasting out into the world post university. So it's a, it's a cool little time capsule, but you're still working you're obviously mm-hmm. still writing. Um, I know we're going to have more chats on the uh, on the network in the future for future works, but uh, maybe give people a a sense of like what you're up to now and where they can find you. 
Right. So yeah, I'm always chipping away at uh, at at fiction. Uh, my job as a, as a reporter, I'm always writing, which is great. Uh, and it's it's very community based stuff here in Winnipeg that uh, you know is a mix of uh development agreements and zoning and bylaw stuff that uh, is is maybe not super exciting but very important for folks uh, uh in their day-to-day uh as well as you know human interest stories that are really fun to, to to write about as well but when i get time i like to explore fiction and i tend to have short amounts of time so i've been gravitating back towards short fiction lately there's lots of stuff online that's typically where i publish as though there's you know print anthologies here and there if i can if i can place something in there so there's a lot of stuff floating around online that people could easily find uh, i've got a collection of short fiction coming out right away uh where the pavement turns to sand we'll get a chance down the road to to talk about that but folks can find that it's out uh by way of malarkey books which is a uh, small independent publisher out of joplin missouri you can find them i think it's malarkeybooks.com all that info i'm on the web uh as well sheldon bernie uh you search me you can find me pretty quick on you know twitter or, uh instagram or uh blue sky uh, that that kind of stuff and if i'm writing uh and stuff's out there i'll post links there and uh also sharing stuff that i come across that i dig from other writers so well sheldon bernie thank you so much uh chatting out with the book down the flood traveling going down memory lane with mm-hmm. me a little bit it's been a real pleasure to uh to highlight this uh this first novel of yours and i look forward to having you back again sometime soon to uh to chat about your newer work so thank you so much for being here and taking the time to discuss uh this old book love it thank you it's my pleasure